So have you ever had one of those times where you're like, man, like a lot of weird stuff is happening. And it's just like all these different things are happening and some of them are really difficult and uh, you feel really confused and it's just a very strange time. And, uh, and you're just like, you know, just what is, what is going on? What in the world is going on? Have you ever had one of those times? My guess is you're probably thinking, Pastor, I'm in the middle of one of those times. Um, you don't need me to tell you that we are living in a, a strange time. You know, the word unprecedented comes, it's thrown out pretty often in the news and so on. We are living in something that I've never seen before, and I don't think any of us have really seen before. It's, it's this really um, difficult, challenging, confusing time. And, and in case you haven't let out this emotion of confusion yet, I'd like you to go ahead and do so now. I mean, if you're not feeling confusion, then fine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want you to force anything. But I'd like you, if, this is, if you have any sense of confusion or, or stress or anxiety about the time period that we're living in right now, what I would like you to do is to look at the people next to you, uh, where, you're, where you are worshiping this morning, and to say to them, what in the world is going on? And maybe even if they're still kind of sleepy, like if they're still in their pajamas and they're just waking up, maybe give them a little, like, shove in the leg and just say, hey, what in the world is going on? Don't, don't hit anybody in the face and don't, don't, like, you know, knock anybody out. Um, don't take this as an excuse to actually, like, hurt someone. I'm looking at you, um, Hanson boys or Blotz guys or Knick guys. Don't hurt each other. Um, but look to each other and kind of wake each other up. What in the world? What in the world is going on? Today we have a lesson that invites us to ask that question. And as we ask that question, today's lesson gives us some, some perspective, some insight, some, some much-needed clarity to what is going on in our world today. Our lesson today is a message that the world needs to know and needs to hear, that we need to hear and I know people around us need to hear, and they need us to, to, to share however we can with them during this time. As we get into today's lesson, there's something I want you to know before we even start the lesson, is uh, that this lesson, as we get into it today, I didn't pick it because of what's going on in the world today. This lesson is part of a sermon series that Pastor Krause put together back in, I think it was... November, maybe late October. And the way it works is like, say, when we're entering a new kind of section of the church year. And so the first part of the church year, which starts in Advent, so that that season that leads up to Christmas, is what we call the festival half. And so back in the fall, Pastor Krause put together the, the sermon series for the festival half of the church year. So going on through Pentecost. And he chose the sections of scripture we would be studying then. And so I want you to know as we study this section of Scripture that, that I didn't say, okay, there's something difficult going on in the world. This is something we need to study. This is something that Pastor Krause chose back in the fall and that God is now having us study at the exact right time so we can wrestle with this question and then get some beautiful insight and answers to this question of what in the world is going on. The lesson we have, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 33. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how, how, excuse me, but he who gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Now, i got to tell you, as I've studied this section in the past or come across this section in the past, I've actually asked the question, what in the world is going on in these verses? Because they kind of sound, if you just read them, like, as a Christian, you will get everything you want. That God's going to give you everything. Like, just make a wish list, and, uh, and God's going to do it. The, the, these verses, at first glance, are like a prosperity gospel preacher's dream. Um, and what, what, what is the prosperity gospel? Just as, just as a, a reminder, there's a, there's a segment of, of Christianity, or at least churches that, that call themselves Christians. I, I say that because sometimes the message that comes out of them isn't very Christian at all. Uh, but what they, what they do is that they, they, they take sections like this, and they use this to try to claim that if you're a Christian— then you should expect tangible blessings to come up in your life. That if you pray, that you, if you read God's word, if you go to church, if you give, things like that, that God will bless you tangibly. And I use the word tangibly because there are incredible blessings to being a Christian. Peace and joy and just wonderful things, but they're not always tangible. Often they're not. If you're a Christian, you know, if you've been a Christian for very long, you know that Knowing Jesus and loving Jesus doesn't mean that all the problems in your life are going away and you necessarily get tangible blessings, but there are some ideas out there that that is the case. This section, these verses, are not saying that if you're a Christian, you just get whatever you want. So then what are they saying? Well, to help us see what these verses are saying, we need to take a step back and consider our sermon series and consider this book that we are studying throughout this series, the book of Romans. You may recall that the book of Romans is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Rome. And, and he writes it in a way where he's filled it up with just tons of important teaching. Uh, because as far as we can see there, they have not had an apostle, someone sent directly from Jesus, to come and to teach them in person. And so uh, Paul, from a distance, is teaching them and instructing them, and, and, and through this letter, then instructing us about some very important things from God's word. Paul is also preparing Rome to be a place where he can launch his ministry forward uh, towards Spain. As we look at this letter, one of the main topics that he talks about is the concept of God's law and God's laws, and the whole discussion of what role do they play in our lives now as Christians. There's a lot of confusion during this time. Okay, how, what part of God's law do I need to follow? Do I need to follow any of it? Is, is there some of it that I need to do to make sure that I am right with God, to make sure that I am justified before God? And it, it's the idea, it's the concept of being justified before God. It's the topic of justification that is the topic of our sermon series that we are currently going through. Because Romans deals so much with the topic, that's why it's such a great place for us to go through each of these weeks to study and, and to consider what is justification and what does it mean for us in our lives and for our eternities. So as we're in this series, Just in Time, as we are talking about justification, reminder, what is justification? Justification, when it comes to our relationship with God, is that we are declared in the right with God. We are declared right with him. We are, are not guilty before God. We are right with God. And if you use that, that image of, of words being all lined up on the right side, how they are all in line with each other, this word justification talks about us being in line with God and being right with God. 
Now, we needed to consider how we are right with God today. This, this letter deals with how we are right with God because we were always meant to be right with God. We were created to be right with God. This is, this is what our relationship was meant to be. This is what our life is meant to be, a life where we are united with God. If you go back to the beginning, to the story of everything, God created people to be in his image, to be in his likeness. What does that mean? It's not that we physically look like God, but in the way that we were to, to act and to, to love each other and in the way that we were to go throughout the world and, and in God's words, rule over the earth and subdue it and spread throughout the world, we were to do it in a way where we, to be, where we were meant to be a walking picture of God. Which, by the way, just, just stop and just take this in. I think we need to remind ourselves what are our incredible, why are we here as people? What, why were we here? Why were we, were we created? What is the purpose of life? It's to be a walking picture of God. That's what we were meant to do. God put us in charge of the world and said, here, I want you to, to go and to spread throughout the world, to harness the world, to take hold of the world in a way where you are a walking picture of my goodness and my love and my grace. But Adam and Eve, instead of staying in line with God, instead of being a walking picture of God, instead of following the words and the directions of the Creator who knows how life works best in this world, what Adam and Eve did was turn away from God. And they decided to try to do things their own way instead of God's way. Adam and Eve didn't trust God, but rather trust what their own eyes could see. And because God created people to rule over the world and, and, and to rule over the world in a way where we were to be this walking picture of him, when Adam and Eve turned away from God and started doing things their own way, when they turned away from the author and source of life, this world became broken. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, if you've ever purchased anything from the store and there's directions for how it works, but if you disregard the directions and you try to do it your own way, have you ever had it where you end up breaking what it is that you bought and you really wish you would have read the directions? Well, Adam and Eve, instead of listening to the Creator, did what looked best in their own eyes, and so they broke God's world. And the thing is, not only did they break God's world, but then at that point they became sinful. They became infected with sin, infected with this disease where now people naturally, <clears throat> instead of doing things God's way, instead of having a world that is right and good the way God created it to do, what we all now naturally do is do things our own way. And Adam and Eve then passed this illness on to their children, who passed it on to their children, who passed it on all the way now down to us. And now we are all infected with the same disease where we are sinful people who don't do things God's way. Instead of walking around being perfect pictures of God, we do things our own way. So this world is a, a broken place where things are not right, are not what they were meant to be. Which right away, even in just laying the backstory for what the book of Romans is about and the need for the book of Romans, right here we already get some insight to this question. What in the world is going on? What in the world is going on right now? What in the world is going on is that we are seeing 
a very clear, unignorable symptom of an issue of a sickness that has been plaguing the world ever since Adam and Eve turned away from God. What we are seeing right now is a very clear, unavoidable symptom, unignorable symptom of the fact that this world is not right. It's not what it was meant to be. That this world is broken and that we are all infected with something. Something called sin. Now, I I use the word unignorable in there because I think especially living in the West and us living in, in, you know, in Wisconsin, near Madison, sometimes it can be easy to ignore that the world isn't right. You know, when we hear about so many issues going on in the world, so often it's, it's often a far-off distant place. Or even if something is happening in the United States, you know, we, we have this, like, false sense of security living in the Midwest, and we think, well, that happens in, like, California or New York or whatever. You know, here, you know, here it, it's, it, it's not a problem here. And, you know, we, 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 we live in this beautiful place, this beautiful community. We, we live next to this, this beautiful city, Madison, this great capital and isthmus, and we go up to cabins and lake houses, and we do all these great things. And the world can feel pretty good. Yeah, there might be things, daily challenges that we face and difficult things, but let's be honest. We don't have to think too much about them because our schedules are typically so full that we are just going to the next thing to the next thing. And when we get home, we can just turn on Netflix or Hulu or watch whatever. And we don't really have to stop and think that much about the broken parts of this world. But right now, what we have is an unignorable symptom. A symptom that is so big that we, it forces us to stop and think about it. It's a very clear reminder that this world is not, is not right. It's so not right that a microscopic organism can cripple our society right now, which, which is what is happening. Bring us to our knees. This world is not right. That's what's going on. And that's why we need this lesson and why we need this book called Romans. And we need this study just in time because it's all about how God is setting everything right. God in his word has made a promise that he would not abandon us. He would not abandon his world, but that God made a promise that he was going to set everything right right. That he would bring justice for every wrong deed that's happened. He would, he would deal with everything that makes this world broken with this sickness that infects us all called sin. He would deal with it and he would set everything right. That's the good news promise of God. And when we think about our justification, when you think about us being right with God, it's all in this big context of, of, of okay, now God is going to set everything right. When he does, as he does, how do I know I'm right with him? You know, and that's a big question to ask, a significant question to ask. Because when we think about the sickness that infects this world, the big one, sin, we realize, we need to be honest, that that we contribute to the sickness that infects this world. We sin. I know we might think, well, we like, like to think about how we do different good things and positive things, but the reality is we also do contribute to the brokenness in this world. And so, if God's going to deal with what makes this world broken, if God's going to deal with the sin in this world, and I sin, where does that put me? 
How do I know I'm going to be right with God? How do I, I've got a problem that needs to be solved and I can't do anything about it because I can't stop contributing to what makes this world broken. The good news that we have been going through again and again throughout this series is that while you and I cannot make ourselves right with God, we cannot fix ourselves, God has taken care of it for us. Jesus came into this world and lived the perfect life that you and I do not live. But then he laid it down on the cross. And he laid down that, per- that, that life on the cross so that he could be the perfect substitute for us. He could take our sinfulness, our sickness called sin, all the ways that we make the world broken, and he took the justice that all that wrongdoing deserves. He took all the, the, the consequences, all the punishment, all the, 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 the brokenness that those things deserve into himself and absorbed it so that full justice could be met there. And when he rose again on Easter, it shows that he has defeated those things and that now he has won a new life for us. When he died on the cross, he set everything right. And when he rose, he showed that through faith in him, simply believing in him and what he has done, we are right with God. And we will be part of God setting everything right. We are part of God setting everything right. Right now, simply through faith in Jesus, there's nothing you need to do, no actions you need to do, just simply believing in Jesus and what he's done. You and I were right with God. And we know that we are part of God setting everything right. We are right with him. We are reconciled with him. We are living in this time now where where we know that God is working with us, that he is with us, he's working through us, and someday we're going to live with him in a world where everything is right. But you know, as a Christian, sometimes, even though we know we're right with God through faith, as we continue to go through the challenges and the difficulties in this life, in this world, we can question, we can wonder, man, why is it so, why doesn't, am I really right with God? Are things really turning out all right? Because you know what? I believe in Jesus, and the world is still just as broken as it was. My life is still just as broken as it was. And this feeling, this lament that comes out of us sometimes is something that is very actually common in Scripture. Like, for instance, this uh, Psalm 44. Where it says, in God we make our boasts all day long, and we will praise your name forever, Selah. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. These are some pretty strong words, but these are honest feelings that sometimes God's people have had. We're God. I mean, where are you? It doesn't look like you're setting everything right. It doesn't look like I'm right with you. And there may even be voices in the world and in our own heads that say, you know, with everything happening to you, you must not be right with God. God must not actually be setting everything right. It's when that happens, when we're in the middle of when the world seems like it's falling apart, where things seem anything but right, when we are wondering what in the world is going on, the words of our lesson and this section of the book of Romans, of the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, is all about helping us see and understand what is going on and knowing we are right with God and God is working with us, setting everything right with us, and we are part of him setting everything right. See, our lesson, it says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
it's interesting, in the original language, there's a bit of a picture that you lose in the English translation. When it says that God is for us, it literally says that God is over us. And then when it talks about somebody being against us, literally, it's the idea of something coming down upon us, falling down upon us. So think of maybe like a picture of like an umbrella. And the rain is coming down, and the rain is pouring. It's coming on its way down, but God is like the umbrella. He's over us. He is protecting us. He is keeping us safe. He is guiding and leading with us and, and, and working with us. It's not that the rain isn't happening. The rain is there. The trouble is there. The brokenness is there, and it's real, and it's apparent. But as it comes down upon us, God is over us, protecting us. And if you ever, if ever have any question about that, the next verse says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? There's so much powerful in this verse. We're just going to consider a couple parts of it, a couple aspects of it. When it says, he who did not spare his own son, the words when it says did not spare, it literally says to, to di he did not hold back his son. He did not keep his son back. He knew what people would do with Jesus. He knew how Jesus would be betrayed, how he would be, be, be made fun of and mocked and hurt and killed, and he knew what Jesus would suffer. But he didn't hold him back. I don't know if you've ever given something special of yours to somebody to borrow or thinking that they're going to take good care of it. And then they take and they just, they destroy it. And maybe afterwards you wish, oh, I wish I would have held that back. Because I, I, if I would have known what they would have done with it. Well, God knew. And when, when God knew, it wasn't just some, some thing that, that he was handing over. This was his son. His most precious relationship, his own child. He didn't hold him back knowing full well what people would do with him. Why didn't he hold him back? He didn't hold him back because he knew this was the way to get us back. He and the Son came up with this plan to redeem us, to make us right with God, for there to be full justice and for us also to still be part of God justifying things, setting everything right. They came up with this plan, and so the father said, okay, I'm not going to hold you back, son. I'm going to let you go and do this out of love for us. Now, if God didn't hold back his son, his most precious relationship, if he did not hold back that son of his, his very own son, is there anything he's going to hold back? The answer is clearly no. If he didn't hold back his son, he's not going to hold back anything from us but rather, along with him, graciously he will give us all things. As we look at that phrase, graciously, giving us all things, that word grace, it's, it's significant right here to help us understand what this phrase really means. In the original language, it describes giving from favor or giving from grace. And that's significant because God's grace, his favor towards us, doesn't often look the way we might anticipate how it would normally look. We might think, okay, if God has, is, is going to show us his favor, 
if God is going to show his, us his grace, he's going to take away the issue. He's going to take away the challenge. But God's grace often doesn't work that way. Actually, God's grace often shines through most in the middle of the challenge. A very clear example of this can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul had an incredible experience, and God wanted to make sure he did not become conceited. And so, there was a messenger from Satan sent to Paul to torment him. He called it his thorn in his flesh, his thorn in his side. Man, I, I don't know if I would ever describe something that I've experienced as a messenger from Satan sent to torment me. Maybe, I guess. But that sounds pretty harsh. And Paul pleaded with God, God, take it away. So he pleaded with God three times, God, take it away. And God's answer was, no. No, I'm not going to take it away. And it wasn't because Paul had done something wrong. It wasn't because God wasn't happy with Paul. Actually, the exact opposite. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Where God's grace would shine through the most for Paul, where Paul would experience God's grace the most, was in the middle of being tormented by Satan. Which tells us that as God gives us all things from his grace, the presence of difficulties, the presence of, 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 of challenges, of pain and, and struggles do not negate that we are right with God and receiving God's favor. As a matter of fact, often God's grace and favor shines through the most when we are in the middle of those difficulties, when the world doesn't make sense. I know it's hard for us to remember that because, man, you might look at it and go, man, if, if God is for me, then why am I going through all this? This doesn't seem to make sense with the way we would normally think. But like our last verse of our lesson says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It's not up to us to decide whether we are right with God or not. God has decided. God has decided. He has declared us right. And so even if it doesn't look like things are all right with us, even if people around us are saying, what is this Christian faith profiting you right now? The reality is those voices don't matter. Because God says, you are right with me. What in the world is going on? You can know that what's going on in the world is not that God is unhappy with you. It's not that God has, has given up on you. It's not that God has forsaken with you, has forsaken you. It's not like you've angered God or there's something like that going on. No. Through faith in Christ, you are right with God. And God has given you all things right now from his grace. Just that sometimes God's grace doesn't look Maybe the way we would expect it to, but make no mistake, he is giving us all things from his grace. Everything is coming from his place of grace and favor. So then what do we make of the things that are going on? Some of the verses that come after our lesson actually are very helpful with this. We look at the verses that come after our lesson. It says, who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, there's a couple of parts of that, that statement that are, that are a couple of ways we can look at that to really help us right now. One, it lets us know, reminds us, really hits at home. 
that Jesus is speaking to the Father on our behalf. So if there's any question on our part, are, are we right with God? I mean, Jesus is there saying, I died for them. I rose from them. They are right. There's no question if we are right with God. Jesus is right there. It is clear. He is saying, I died for them. I rose for them. Jesus says, I died for you. I rose for you. You're right with me. And, but there's another aspect to this that is, that is beautiful as we think about this. Because then it proceeds to talk about who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you think about the fact that Jesus Christ died, but then rose again, there is there's a, a path that Jesus took that gives us perspective for our path. Jesus went through suffering and went through death, and then he came out the other side. God's people, these verses tell us that God's people may go through trouble, through hardship, through persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Describes God's people as people who are like sheep considered to be slaughtered. God's people will go through suffering. But just like Jesus, we're going to come out the other side. Just like Jesus, as we go through whatever is going on in the world, the confusion that's going on in the world, the difficulty that's going on in the world, we will stand with new life the other side of it. What in the world is going on? God is continuing to carry out his plan of setting all things right. And throughout whatever is going on, God is continuing to carry out that plan. He is setting all things right. And we are a part of that. We will stand with him when everything is all right. And that helps us now see, that actually gives us perspective, insight, vision, to see everything that's happening right now differently. There are so many ways we can see it differently, but, but right here in chapter 8, there are some very clear examples of how we get to see what's going on in the world right now differently. If you go back to verses 18 to 22, it says, I, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We have sufferings right now, but there is glory to come. There is new life to come. There is a new uh, existence, a new world to come where we will stand right with God. But this verse goes on to describe some other ways we can look at this and now understand this. this is that the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Here's where you really see this change of how we understand things that are happening right now. It's here in verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. When a pregnant woman starts to feel those pains of childbirth, that is indicating that this season of being pregnant is nearing its close. And that a new life is about to be born. What's going on in the world right now? 
When we see the, the, the sickness and illness, the, the brokenness of this world, as Christians, what we see are birth pains. We see clear indicators that this world as we know it will not last forever. Um, we're not saying that it's going to end today or tomorrow. I mean, it could, but it might also be 10,000 years from now. We don't know. God says that, that no one knows when the world will come to an end as we know it. But what we do see and what we do know is that these are clear symptoms, clear signs, clear reminders that this world is not what it was meant to be. But someday we will live with God, having life the way it was meant to be. We will live with God where everything is all right. This is what we are looking forward to. This is our future. This is what these pains are reminding us of. That someday we're going to stand with God when everything is all right. New life is coming. And in the middle of the difficulty and the confusion, new life is already working in us and for us. In verse 26, we're told that in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit of God intercedes for us, speaks in our behalf to the, to the Father. When we don't know what we need, and, and I don't know about you, but right now I feel that way. I don't know what we need. I don't know what all the next best steps are. I'm, I'm following recommendations and, and, and taking those things, taking listening to what the, the health officials and so on say, but I don't know what we all need. But God knows. And the Spirit right now is speaking to the Father in our defense on our behalf, communicating what it is exactly that we need. And as the Spirit is speaking to the Father on our behalf, we can also know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Right now, with whatever is happening, all of it is in God's hands. Right now, for those of us who are in Christ, who are loved by God, who through faith in Jesus are right with God, God is working in all of it. He is carrying out his plan. He's fulfilling his big picture purpose. And we are part of that. We are part of God setting everything right. We are part of the hope that he has for this broken world, that one day things will be right. And through faith in Christ, we are right with him. Everything right now is working according to his plan and according to his purpose. What is going on in this world? What's going on in this world is that God has set all things right through Jesus and that God is continuing to work so that more people through faith in him might be declared right with him and that God is continuing to carry out his plan of setting everything right, even when the world is dark even when things are confusing, even when everything looks just challenging and difficult and scary. God is setting everything right. Here in China, there is such darkness. But in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory.
I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody, no matter what country.
You know, that video really hit my heart this week for a few reasons. One of them has to do with the fact that it's, it's a video about the gospel moving in China. And as I think about COVID-19 and the coronavirus and how it, it really started in China, for me to see God's hand moving in that country where, where many of this was started, it really hit my heart in a beautiful way. But also, it, it, it really hit my heart because in this video, we, we saw in a place where it looked like things were dark, God was moving and is moving right there with people in their homes. Now, those people were able to go and, and visit each other and meet in other people's homes. Right now, we're not doing that. We're keeping our distance. We're staying in our own homes. But make no mistake, the one who has declared you right with him is right there with you in your home right now. He is right there with you, loving you, treasuring you, working through you right now. The Spirit is in your heart. The Spirit is speaking to the Father on your behalf. The Spirit is moving through you, guiding you so you can love your family, so that you can think of ways to show love to your friends, to your neighbors, to this world, even while keeping six feet distance, even while staying home as much as possible. God, through his son Jesus, has declared us right with him. We will stand with him someday when everything is right. And he is right here with us, working through us, right now in the midst of all of this. God is setting everything right. He is right there with you. You will stand there and be right with him. This is what in the world is going on.